It is a privilege to have you here, a true privilege. And I, uh, I thank the Lord that uh, this church had made a decision back in the day to have an open door. Uh, this is an open place for people to come and to worship and to celebrate and to experience things that God has for us. Now, we are not here to play games. We are not here to... Uh, um, uh, just do a religious duty of the week. We are way, but way beyond that. This place, this church, is all about God. We believe there is a God and that He is alive. He's not dead. For those who have watched the movie, God is not dead. There's a, uh, there's a movie out there you can watch. God is not dead. God is alive and well, and he one day sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come into this world to die for the sinners, which, by the way, is you and me. Unless you are not a sinner, but according to the Bible, everybody is a sinner. At one point, you have sinned in your life. You have done something wrong, and for that very purpose, the Lord came, and he forgave you. He offered forgiveness by him paying for the price of your sin. There's no, basically no reason why Jesus would come out of heaven and, and, and uh, leave the comforts of heaven and, and just, no, I'm just going to go down there and die for the people. No, there was a reason why. Because God is a holy God and he wanted to have a people with him and he had to do it because people had sinned and all of you and all of me, we have all sinned. We need a way out. We needed forgiveness. And somebody had to pay for the forgiveness. It could not even be you yourself because, again, you are not clean enough, not pure enough to die for yourself. So somebody better than you had to do it. There was none. Jesus Christ himself, God himself, transformed himself into flesh, came down here and died for you. So now if you connect to him, you got the forgiveness of your sin. You live by grace now. Have you sinned ever since eventually you had a commitment with the Lord? Yeah, you have sinned. You still sin. But now you can come to him and say, oh Lord, please forgive me. And if you do that, you consider Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, what will happen? You will receive salvation. See, if there was no reason for the Lord Jesus, by the way, to come down here, to be, for us to, to be saved, saved from what? If there was no reason for anything that would, of bad that would happen to us. So we've got to understand that there is a hell and that there is a heaven. Jesus Christ came to, gave us, to give us heaven. And one day, as we were singing in the song, he's going to come back and take us to that place. You might think, well, I'm not sure about all that. Well, it's a matter of, your, of the option you have to basically believe. Believe what the Lord God had in his mind. He came to save. Save you from a horror of a place called hell. Save you from yourself, from your filthiness, from your dirtiness in your life and in my life. To make us clean, to make us pure. And that's why the church exists. 
to share. From now on, there is salvation. For 2,000 years ago, we started this preaching. Jesus himself, himself started. We are now uh, 2,000 years in the calendar, and we are closer to the big finale. There is a great finale. The Bible talks about the book of Revelation. You can read it yourself. You know the apocalypse? Have you ever, how many have heard about the apocalypse? The big apocalypse. The big ending. The final chapter of world history. It is coming near you pretty soon. You will see it. And you see it already how things, you know, there's climate change and there's this and there's that. It's all part of what the Bible is already explaining. Anyway, that's not what I came to preach here for. I have something else in mind. Anyway, question here is, especially for the church people, we, are, we have been called into a, um, a mission to announce what God did. And as Jesus was here, he said, you know, I don't want you to leave the city of Jerusalem. He was speaking to his disciples. I don't want you to leave the city of Jerusalem without power. Because people will think this thing of preaching and the gospel and Jesus and that and blood and sin, they will think this is a bunch of nonsense. And if you try to speak it and to preach it without a convincing power in your life, People will laugh at you. People will laugh. People won't care. You know, this whole church thing, the whole gospel change, this whole thing, it's a bunch of nonsense. And that's why Jesus said, you know, before I go back to heaven, where I came from, by the way, I'm going to send you power. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. How many have heard about the Holy Spirit? He said, I'm going to go up to heaven and, but before, right after I'm gone, 50 days later, Pentecost, Pente means five, 50 days later, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, which is part of the Trinity of God, and he will be with you forever. That's, that's a fact. You can read it in history, not just in the Bible, you can read it in history, and if you go to Israel, I have been in Israel a couple of times, you go there, there's a special places where there, is a, there, there are books written about the Holy Spirit and the craziness that that was on that day. People got nuts. And those who were believers and followers of Jesus Christ, they said, oh my goodness, they start singing and preaching and, and praying in tongues and whatnot. And they got so encouraged, they started the ministry, and they went out there and started preaching, and they were doing miracles. And if the Bible is true, we all believe it is, miracles started to happen. And Jesus said, don't, go to, don't leave the city without being empowered first. Again, we are 2,000 years in, and you cannot be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. You cannot preach the gospel of Jesus and what it all means without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can try. You can do it by your muscles, but it's not good. It won't work. See, the other thing is, believe it or not, people out there in the world, they're looking for something that makes sense in this world. 
people are out there. They're looking for, you know, and we talked about it last Sunday. It's, you know, Justin Trudeau won't save you. Donald Trump won't save you. The money that you have in your, in your bank won't save you in the end because in the end, once you're, with, once you're facing that, you are in your debt bad, you're there, you will not even think about the money you have. If you don't have the assurance of what's happened after that, you will be desperate. But if you know that well, after I'm dying, after I'm dead, I will enter what the Bible promised for you to, and me, eternal life. Again, you might think it's crazy. But why do you think you're here? How did you, how did you get here? What do you, have you ever thought about, well, if it's only about me growing up, becoming a little baby at the point, work my butt off all my life, and then die? Maybe raise some couple million dollars in your bank, and then that's it? What was the point? Think about what was the point? Why would Jesus invent this church thing if it wouldn't be for something way bigger, way better, way longer lasting than this 80 or 90, maybe 100 years? Yeah, one nice fellow, he is 98 in our midst here today. But then it ends? Unless there is something else, which is what I'm going to talk about here a little bit. So why do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Why do you need the power of the Holy Spirit to live and to share that message, which is a different message from what the, the message of the world is teaching? Because the world is teaching, again, oh, you just you got to be good, you got to do this, you got to do that. And then you die. See, this thing is bigger. This thing is bigger. It's longer. So we now, as a Christian, for those who already do believe, we belong to a different kingdom already. So that's why, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See, because if you, and I know, all of us here, we fight the flesh. Talked about it last Sunday. We fight the flesh. Your flesh, your body has desires. And if you don't control it, it will control you. If you don't control, now, hey, come on, I mean, I'm hungry, now I'm going to eat and eat, and I'm, I'm more hungry, I want to eat more. You start doing exactly what the flesh wants you to do. Oh, the flesh, now you, have, you saw something. For man, you saw a beautiful woman. Oh, if you don't control, you will, you will basically grab her. Am I wrong, man? If you don't control our flesh. See, the flesh, the body, is, has a tendency to do the wrong thing. You have to fight the other way. But if you fight with your own muscles, with your own flesh, you lose the fight. You will have to have a spiritual intervention in your life. And it is something out of the chart, off the chart. It is something that can bring you peace. It is something that finally you go, oh my goodness. There is actually something more. Because I'm suffering under my guilt, under my, my pain and my, 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 my sin. And all of a sudden somebody comes and says, hey, I have something else. The Lord Jesus comes and says, you know, I have a solution for your life. 
and all of a sudden you will be able to fight the desires of your own flesh with a power that I will give you. That power is the Holy Spirit. He's going to come on you, and he's going to change your life. And you know what? He's going to put a smile in your face. When was the last time that you could actually smile? Man, my life, this is actually pretty good. Do you have moments of smile in your life? I know. You know, you see a joke on TV. You see something funny. You laugh. But then you go back and think about your situation. You start thinking about, oh, yeah, but I got a problem. You know? I got a financial problem. I got a marriage problem. I got a, a health problem. I got a whatever problem. And then you shrink. You shrink and, man, there is no hope for me. I am so lonely. I have no expectation of the future. In fact, if you go through the universities today, everywhere in the world, the young people, they don't see far. They cannot see through. There is nothing other than, I want my rights, I want to live now, I want to use the maximum I can and just live it here right now, go wild, live wild, party animals, whatever. And what happens? They get frustrated. They ended up going into drugs, going into sex, going into this, going into that, going into jail, or going into a coffin. Because there is no hope. There's nothing for them to look forward to. Unless, unless a person enters in a relationship with the creator of all things who revealed himself out from heaven, came down here in the form of Jesus Christ to become flesh, just like you and me, that's now someone that actually does understand your feelings. He did it before, but he now shows it, and he felt it himself, how it feels being in the flesh. And he felt the whole thing. And he was slapped, and he was beaten, and he was cursed, and he was crucified, and he was killed and betrayed. Now, we know that the payment for sin is death, since Jesus had never sinned. As he was in the grave, all the way from Friday, about three days in the grave, because you know the reason why he only stayed three days in the grave or stay, had to stay three days in the grave? Because that would prove to every human being, especially the Israelite, would say, well, if a person is dead three times, uh, uh, sorry, if a person is dead for three days, that means he is truly dead. If he would raise on the second day, people might think, well, you know, he wasn't maybe completely dead. Maybe he could have waken up on the second day. So he had to be dead three days. That was mandatory to make sure the person was actually dead. So on the third day, he, since he had no sin, death or sin could not hold him in the grave. He knocked Mrs. Death off the way and came back up. That's exactly what happened. And then he says, now you, if you connect to me, if you come in touch with me, I can live, make you live because I am the owner of life. I have control over life and I have control over that. I want you to know this. You touch me, you, you come, come closer to me, I will show you a better way. That's the true reality. 
That's why church exists. That's why Jesus exists. That's why the Holy Spirit. Now, once you have become a Christian, we talk about the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to keep you going. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, a couple things happen in your life. You have all of a sudden power over heal. You can heal people. I have experienced it myself. There was one day I went to the hospital out there in Brazil. I lived there for 40 years, for those who didn't know. And I went to the hospital. Because the family was already gathered. The doctors had told them, this person will die tomorrow or even today. That was already 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I got to the hospital, packed with people. I barely could get into the room because the family had been called already to be there. So I got in, and the lady, the, the one who had called me, hey, pastor, you know, my father, he's going to die today. Please pray. I mean, he was in a coma. We believe that if you're in a coma, the only thing that actually still uh, is, uh, the, the only uh, sense that still works might be the hearing because he didn't move anything, no blinking, nothing. But we believed, according to the doctors even, a person can still hear as they're laying on the, on the bed. So I did a prayer. I prayed, prayed. I said, Lord Jesus, I'm not sure about this man, if he has ever received you, if he has ever accepted, ever connected with you, has ever, I don't know. But I pray that he would receive you today as his Lord and his Savior and the one that would trust his life so that you could resurrect him in the last day. And I said, amen. And I was leaving. Turmarant was leaving. And as I was at the door by the room, the Holy Spirit, repeat with me, Holy Spirit. Can you say Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Give me a kick. Say, you know what? Hey, go back there. Lay your hands on the head of this man. Cast out the spirit of death. And declare that this man will live. And I said, God, are you kidding me? This man is going to die. See, the family is here. The doctor says he's going to die today. Do it. I had no other way. I had to go back. I went back. It's interesting. My father at that time, he was from, all the way from the south. He was there with me in the car waiting outside the hospital. Anyway, I got back. I laid my hands, my hand on, on this head's man. And I said, in the name of Jesus, spirit of death, get out, get away from here. I declare a life for this man. And then I went home. Nothing happened. The guy was still there. But to my surprise, the next morning, I got a phone call from this father's, from this daughter of this man. Pastor, guess what? A what? My father is going home today. I mean, really? He was from a coma to a way home. He went home, and then I went on the afternoon, the next day, and went to meet him personally, and we had a conversation. The man lived another two years, two and a half years, and then he passed away. But I know that what gave me a chance to preach, to talk to him about the future, about eternal life, and after all was said and done, the Lord took him home. Now that's a move of the Holy Spirit. You think you can do the Christian thing without the Holy Spirit? It's a big, big, big mistake. 
ain't going to happen. I'm telling you, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is really, I have it here, Well, we already talked about you need power to witness. That's one thing. We talked about it last Sunday. But if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, or for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, um, so that we can actually pray according to the will of God. And I'm talking here praying in the Spirit. Or some Pentecostal people would call it praying in tongues. You can pray in the Spirit, and you can pray in tongues with that interpretation. But there's one thing. Have you ever prayed in tongues. Now, what does that mean? I mean, you might think, wow, what in the world is that all about? Well, it's a very simple thing. It is actually your spirit talking to the Spirit of God, and you're kind of out of it. Because the Bible says you don't really know what you are praying, and you are babbling something that is a communication between the Holy Spirit and you. I started praying in tongues. That was back in my first ministry, back in Brazil. And I wanted to pray in tongues because I had seen it. People, and I didn't know, I had no clue, what, what is this? But you know, the disciples, they were all of a sudden, after the Holy Spirit came on them, they started praying in tongues and preaching. Or they, were, they were filled with something. They, could, they, they were babbling something. Yes, there were, there were languages spoken that they didn't know that was understood by the people that were passing by. So I said, Lord, I want this. Whatever it is, I want it. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I said, oh, Lord Jesus, I want to be speaking in tongues too. Because this is, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is supernatural. And I want, I want the excitement of the Holy Spirit. I want the excitement of the kingdom of God. I want the excitement of getting closer to you. I want the excitement of going out there and pray for healing and do all these things. I want the move of the supernatural. So I had gone to Singapore, and there were all these leaders from Africa, from everywhere. And they were there. And I was there, and I was just a regular churchgoer. Nothing unusual with me. Always just the same old. I couldn't stand it anymore. Because I had put a question in my life. If, Lord, if there is anything more that I can have in your presence, I want it. Now, if there's all that, all that I have and that's it, then okay, I will be fine. I won't insist. But Lord, if there's more to have, number one here, I want it. And so I prayed. I want that with the group out there. And all of a sudden, I saw things and hearing stories from pastors from Africa who were there in Singapore in the same classroom where we were. And they were telling their stories about church and what happened in the church. There were, there were people blind all of a sudden could see. There were people with shriveled hands all of a sudden stretched out, came out like that in perfect condition. All kinds of things. They go, really? And for me, it was only coming to church to try to be a good person. Because that's what I thought it would be. That's what I thought would be a good, was to be a good Christian. But I thought, no, 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 no. If there is more to have, I want it. And I want it bad. I want it really bad. I'm desperate. Lord, you know me. I am desperate. I need more. And the guys there in Africa, they were telling, you know, and they were 
and they prayed over me, and zero things happened to me. Nothing. You know, there's all good German Mennonites, and I'm as steady as it could be. There are people that are falling on the ground, and I was standing like a rock. Nothing happened to me. I was just, oh my goodness, Lord, this is, this is, I must be something wrong with me. So, the conference ended. I started to pray. I mean, I was like in the hotel still in Singapore, praying for hours, didn't eat, didn't drink, just wanted to pray, Lord. I'm so frustrated with you because nothing's happened to me. And I was, you know, very frustrated with me. Must be something wrong with me. So I went all the way, you know, stopped at the airport in Japan, Tokyo, and sitting there at the airport waiting for another two or three hours, praying, praying, insisting with the Lord. Nothing happened to me. I couldn't stand it. Came home, and I probably have shared a story for some of you, or maybe all of you, I don't know. Came home, and I was associate pastor at that time at a church out there in south, southern Brazil, and, and there, and I preached, and of course you had to preach in German, because my, my church where my parents still are is a German-speaking church, so you have to, must die richtige deutsche Sprache sprechen. Kann jemand Deutsch sprechen hier? Anybody speaks German? Oh, there's, yeah, there's my brother speaks Deutsch. Good. Anyway, we have to, I have to preach in German. So I went up there and I started to preach and, uh, uh, and I got excited about the, the, the message. I just, hey, there's something feeling good here, you know. So I preached. Nothing unusual, though. But as I came down, the people down were waiting for me, you know, just, you know, to greet the, at the end of the service. He said, hey, pastor, it wasn't you up there today. No, you seem different. Something different happened to you. I said, yes, maybe something has happened to me. Maybe I felt, maybe there was a move of the Holy Spirit in my life. A couple of weeks later, yes, I was taking a nap. One o'clock in the afternoon, a regular weekday, and, and I was, um, all of a sudden, I, I was kind of, you know, laying in my bed, and just, as I woke up, I was actually speaking in tongues. And I stopped. Oh, this is crazy. And then, I wanted to Open my mouth again, and pilot, there it goes again. I just. And that was for me the beginning of a change in my life. You know, you st- that was the beginning of ex- getting extremely excited about the things of God. And I tell you, you cannot naturally be excited about the things of God. You got to have the Holy Spirit for you to be excited about the things of God. You cannot get it in your muscles. And I have an article here that I'm just going to read it. Forgot to put the title on, but it's not mine. I'm going to read it. Have you ever stopped to think about the remarkable fact that after three years of teaching and training his followers, Jesus said, 
he's talking about his disciples there. Jesus said that they were still not ready. He had answered their questions, modeled every form of ministry imaginable, imaginable, and walked them through the scriptures. But it still wasn't enough for them. What they really needed was power. God's power. There are many times in life where you operate on your own strength. And when we do this, we step out of the remarkable power of, that God has for us. And this may not be done deliberately, but we are still operating out of self-reliance. Self-reliance fuels doubt and fear. And when we operate out of self-reliance, we are telling God that we don't need him on his power or, or his power. But God's power comes to us when we are surrendered, dependent, trusting, putting our faith in him, become hungry. Whether you know it or not, God has a special calling for your life. Now this is speaking out to you and to me. A calling he wants you to know and pursue. Are you ready to unleash God's power in your life? Here are seven ways to tap into the supernatural power. I want to read all the seven. But, see, what we have to offer is completely different. And this is the point I want to make here this morning. What we have to offer is completely different from what the world has to offer. The best doctors, the best psychiatrists, the best medical, the best uh, physicians or the best chemi- uh, uh, I mean anywhere the best everything what is out there in the world cannot offer what God through his Holy Spirit can offer to your life we're talking through peace here ladies and gentlemen we're talking about something that is different from what everything else that the world has to offer because we operate by what the Lord has revealed to us. It is a, le- a spiritual thing. And you know it's true because it confers with your own spirit. You know it's true. You stop searching for something higher, for the higher power. You have found the higher power. You will no, no longer have to search for anything other, anything else. You got it. That's it. That's the end of your search. If you find the Lord, you can rest. You know it. I cannot explain how you know it. But you know it. It is once you find it, you don't need to search for anything more. You know, that's the people that are true true seekers and seekers that are not really true. The true seekers are actually looking for the truth. The one final ultimate truth. And if you come to the Lord, you will find out, oops, this is it. That's it. I don't have to search any further. I don't have to consult any other uh, whatever. I have found it. You know it's true. And for those who are Christian among us here today, you know it's true. Now, that there might once in a while be a little bit of a doubt. Man, am, am I in the right? But that disappears because that's sometimes that we allow the weakness of our flesh to take over again. But you know. You know. You know it's there. You know it's true. You know you don't have to find, search for anything else more. 
what we do now. Uh, so as a Christian, we now, we are from a different world, and we shine it through our lives. And that's why we're here. That's why you're the reason, one, the day you became a Christian, the Lord could have taken you home. Say, you know what? I'm gone. I'm, I'm done. Take you home because you're saved already. He let you here in this world so that you can still shine through His glory. And you can pass on the message of salvation, the message of hope, the message of peace. True peace, not the regular peace that the world can give. That's a peace, that's a non-lasting peace. Think about the times in your life, let's say before you were a Christian or those who are not Christian, have you had the experience of a time of complete peace? Maybe for 10 minutes, maybe for half an hour. You thought it was completely peaceful. Not quietness, I'm talking true peace. I tell you, you only find that peace that settles you down is the peace that Jesus Christ can give. There is no other option because he is the creator of all things. He knows, I have told you, he knows the amount of hair you have on your head and how many is going to fall off and how many are going to grow again by tomorrow. He knows the whole thing. So as a Christian, you become attractive if you have something else or other or different to offer than the world has to offer. That's again, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verses 4, And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Gives you the courage. You know, and I'm just basically in the introduction here. But... Uh, yeah, it's time to. But I want to encourage you to search for the Holy Spirit. It will take away your spirit of religion in your life. Because you think, well, if I come to church and if I do certain good things, I'm good for the week. God couldn't care less. It's not about what you can do for God. It really is what God can do for you. And that has to do with, I have to humble myself. I have to retract myself. Just Lord, I am a sinner. I depend on you. I need you. Because in my own flesh, in my own desires, in my own muscles, I will make so many mistakes. I will fail. But if you trust in the Lord, it's a different ballgame. You know what, I didn't even want to preach about this this morning. Had some other stuff here, but. As you think about it, if I would be you, and if I would be me here, I would insist a little bit more in searching honestly and not proudly. You know, we're talking about, you know, I know the truth. Because I do my own thing. I'm good. That is the wrong attitude for us to come before a creator, creator God. And we come before him, we come in humbleness. We come in, I'm sorry, God, I am a sinner. 
You come before him saying, you know, I don't know to help myself. I thought I knew, but I don't. And I'm honestly, purely, sincerely searching for the truth. Not my own invented truth that I think is the truth. The truth is found in only one place, and that is in God. And I know that the Holy Spirit is present for those who are believers. He leads you towards the, towards the, the deepest of the heart of God himself because he is from God. He is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the God the Holy Spirit is the one that is present here today so that you can live your life as a Christian. And for those who are non-believers, you can actually surrender and say, Lord, I need help. So God is looking for sincere seekers. And he's looking at you today. And he's waiting. Hey, I can help you. He's standing with an outstretched hand saying, Trust me with your life. I'm going to make it better. Would you close your eyes? Shall we pray? Oh, Lord Jesus. We want to thank you that your plan is perfect. Your plan is it's unbelievable almost. But it is the truth. We have learned that our flesh is weak and that we need help. We cannot help ourselves. We cannot save ourselves unless you, who is our creator, who knows everything about us, can actually rescue and save us. But basically, it only goes for those who think that they need a Savior. We know that it is for everyone because everyone does need a Savior, but not everybody is convinced that they do need a Savior. But Lord Jesus, this morning, as we come before you, Lord, and we recognize that our flesh is weak and that we need your help, we come before you, Lord Jesus, to tell you that we are, a, we are sinners, that I am a sinner, and that I need your help, that I need your forgiveness. And I entrust my life to you, Lord. And I ask you, Jesus, enter my life. And I pray, please forgive me. I surrender myself to you. And I ask you to write my name, Lord, in your book. And change my life. Make it worthwhile living. Give us the peace, Lord, that you have promised. And all the turbulence in this world, Lord, People are searching all kinds of things. Running after all kinds of things when there is only really one hope. 
In one way, you said it yourself in the book, there is no other way. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father unless by me, you said. You are the way, Jesus Christ. You came to die. You resurrected from the dead. You opened up a way for us. Now, the good thing is, this whole thing isn't over yet. Because you have promised over a thousand times that you are going to come back again. In history, in the near future. Yeah, we don't know the day or the hour, but we know you're coming. And Lord, I want to thank you for that. Now, I am so looking forward to get rid of my own weakness in the flesh and be filled forever with a new body and a new life, which you called eternal life, with no more end, no end, zero end, forever and ever and ever in your presence. Now, that is coming. And that's the truth. So, Lord, examine our hearts this morning and see if there is a sin that I have committed and that I have not even repented of. And forgive us. And we pray, Lord Jesus, for those who are here this morning that do not know you officially. have heard about you, but maybe haven't really made much contact with you. I pray. Bless these folks, Lord. Speak to their hearts. And for those who are listening in online, Lord Jesus, I pray too. Those who are listening to a message there in a desperation because all kinds of things are going wrong in their lives, Lord, I just pray for them right now that your Holy Spirit would touch their lives and they would all of a sudden look into the right direction where salvation really can come from. It does not come from the money. It does not come from the government. It does not come from the neighbor. It comes from you, God. True salvation comes only from you. So we pray for those people, Lord, too. And for all of us, Lord, this morning. May your grace and may your peace and may your joy be with all of us today and forever. And the people of God say, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much for coming. And uh, there's some music putting on there as we are leaving, going out. I think we are... Do we have anything else? There's some music here yet? No? You're good? Awesome. May the Lord bless you very much. I want to... uh